0: Hi, all. One quick thought before we get to my great discussion with Aaron Kleiber, Had some additional thank yous to add that aren't at the end of the show for some people who provided clips featuring Aaron that you'll hear later in the show. The first clip was from Scott Peters and his Escape from St. Quentin's. And the second clip is from the film Lightweight, care of Randy Kovitz. For more information on that film, check out www.lightweightfilm.com. And now my discussion with Aaron Clyburn. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the historic arcade
1: comedy theater in downtown Pittsburgh.
0: Welcome to the stage, Brian Gray. Uh, Welcome to Talking Shop, the podcast where I, Brian Gray, dive into my guest relationship with their work to learn why they love to do what they do. Holding the Christmas mug tonight is Aaron Kleiber. Yeah. Uh, I first met Aaron at the Thursday Night Improv Jam many years ago. Really? I did. Wow. I did. I I saw you from afar, actually, before I met you. I I knew you before that. Uh, No, Hmm. no. I, uh... Aaron's energy and enthusiasm always made him a joy to watch and a coveted teammate on the jam. Even if I didn't know him from other improv ventures, uh, he was a little busy making a living at stand-up at the time. Since I've had the pleasure of seeing him perform, I was at the recording of your DVD set at the Improv, a 70-minute set at the waterfront. I'm continually impressed at his enthusiasm and professionalism. This is tough to hear. And this him is... being a funny guy. So, normally, like, uh, I would come out after the intro and then I'd introduce you and you'd come out, but it just all takes so long. So, we just have yeah. everyone on stage. So, I feel like, like you're backstage. I feel for this like part. I'm on an
1: actor studio that I don't deserve. <laughs> uh, they, like, pulled somebody
0: out of the audience. They were like,
1: <laughs> I think he did a couple things. Let's. Uh, uh, I don't know where he Ladies found it. and <laughs> gentlemen, what...
0: it is my great pleasure to introduce the unstoppable Aaron Kleiber. Thank you, Randy. I see. Uh,
1: good evening. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, let's get right into Ukraine.
0: I was I was <laughs> hoping you'd bring that up, Aaron. First and foremost, I want to just get right into it. Um, what what do you find funny? Oh boy. Jeez. Uh,
1: Jeez. Um, um, I I I. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a broad question. It is. Um, you don't have to have
0: like a no, you know, I mean, broad I, answer.
1: It's, it's weird, I guess, uh, when you, like, being a stand-up, I guess it's very easy to reach a point where you find everything funny, <laughs> you know? Because, like, you, what you do is you try to find humor in every facet of life at all times because you're constantly trying to write material. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, also, but also, like, I've always kind of been like that. I've always kind of made fun of everything, you know? So I've always kind of made a uh, funny
0: part of my life, you know? So you're talking about more just like every day you're walking around, you see something, you, you've, you try to find the humor in, in everyday things? Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I think a lot of comics do that. Yeah.
1: I, I think just naturally. Um, and I was, you know, when I was, when I was in like middle school and high school, I was like a jerk. So <laughs> I would just make fun of everything, everything,
0: everything. Uh, You know, would you, uh, are you, do you look back on that? How do you look back on that? Well, uh, I look back,
1: actually the one thing I noticed from like, from being a quote, funny person, since I was younger, I, I, the one thing I take away from it is I saw the stages of being a funny person throughout like middle school and high school and then through college. And then after college, and like being like a professional comedian, is that like you start just being an annoying little kid? You start just being (laughs) annoying. Like, you just, that's your thing. Like, you're the funny kid is always annoying as shit. You know what I mean? Just really. Annoying, and then I think as you get older, and I don't know if this has to do with like you getting the physicality of a man towards like the end of middle school or the beginning of high school, then you're just like, because I was like six foot when I was in eighth grade, yeah. so uh, yeah, it was, I'm German, I'm all German. <laughs> Hello, um, I had to be ready for service. Um, <laughs> I, I, but then like as as I felt like you like grow up a little bit, then it just becomes like in high school you just become obnoxious. Like around eighth or ninth grade, then I was obnoxious. I wasn't just annoying, I was yeah. obnoxious. And then I guess towards the end of high school, especially my senior year, I think I, there, I saw that little mix of being obnoxious f- and, and f- trying to be funny and finding moments of funny, Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I started to discover how to be funny on purpose a little bit more. And, uh, and then, uh, and I'm one class
0: clown Congratulations. Congratulations. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) So, uh, not to uh, pull that back, but so when you so I get finding humor in everyday things, but like now that you you do spend more of your your day your you know your life on comedy, like I think that is very noble. But like I don't think you mean that you watch you know Two and a Half Men and roll on the floor laughing. Nope. Um, So so when you look at I guess more. uh, standard, something given in the package of comedy. Like, yeah. and I don't mean to say who do you think is funny or what or whatever. Right. But like, what, what kind of things do you look for in comedy that, that you consume? Oh man, I, I I don't know if I
1: you know I don't think I can like pinpoint on you see, like what makes me laugh or yeah. what I look. I mean, I can't pinpoint s- certain things. I mean, um. I like when people... What makes me laugh is when either... Mm, thank you, Brian. This is a good... I, I, I think I have a good answer. Um, <laughs> um, I, I most tend to like people that just let loose mm-hmm. and be themselves when they're, when they're funny. Like I like that kind of thing when it's just very real. But also, I laugh more in like a dark internal way when people are so bottled up, Mm. you know what I mean? So those two extremes of people just kinda like, who cares, I'm gonna make anybody laugh. I love that, but I also, when people are, do you know what I mean, like hold so much back and have stuff bottled in and like, that kind of cracks me up, I guess in a way because they don't know what they're missing. You know what I mean? So when I peep- see people so uptight, I'm just like, what is
0: wrong with you?
1: Like, that's hilarious.
0: Like, relax. Uh, that kind of cracks me up. Yeah. So I, I think of those two kinds of people, I feel like I've gotten the impression that you're the former kind of person. Um, you've referred often to your need for attention. Oh, yeah. Um, and you've, you've found your way to comedy through, uh, through kind of a study of filmmaking and, and a study of improvisation. Uh, which I find to be two very collaborative arts. Um, do you think yeah. of yourself as a as a more collaborative performer or as a more selfish, attention-grabbing performer? Um, Not in a negative way. No, 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 no. That's uh, no. That's
1: a good question because I think that um, I have, I have, I have. I mean, I am always collaborative, but I don't think I learned how to really be that intentionally until I started, like, really understanding improv. Because my whole life, it was about me getting attention, me making myself feel better, you know, because I I came from an abusive home for, like, 10 years, and then I was the white kid that moved to the projects in fifth grade, you know what I mean? So it was like, well, either get your ass beat or, you know, do an impression of uh, Homie the Clown and get people to laugh at you. Uh, And that's... Quick sidebar. Who is Homie the Clown? Um, I hate you. (laughs) Is that Um, a a Pittsburgh Homie the Clown... No. Homie the Clown is uh, Damon Wayans in In Living Color. He's the clown that would hit kids on the head with a sock. Fair enough. Homie, don't play that. I'm either too young or too white. I would do characters from In Living Color and make people laugh, and I felt like that made me feel good. It made me feel good to get attention like that, and like messing with teachers... And getting, like, my class to laugh. They're like, oh, my God, he's, look what he's doing to that teacher. Like, that was fun. And I was like, yeah, that's me, guys. Look at me. <laughs> and, uh, and definitely, you know, during high school when I started making videos and stuff with my buddies and uh, trying to get, like, leads and musicals and plays. Yeah, I said musicals. <laughs> um, I learned to tap dance and everything. Uh, it was like, it really was getting that attention, like, feeding that, you know, Attention and making myself feel better, but until like I really started doing like <clears throat> my senior year of high school or no my I think it was like <sighs> somewhere in my junior year of high school, I started going to Friday night Improvs at Pitt uh, here in Pittsburgh, and uh, you know I went through my senior year I w- my whole first year of college, I was at film school, and uh, it, that was that was pretty collaborative because at that time my friend and I, Chris Prexta, we did movies together. You know, we we've always done that. So that part was collaborative, but I was still kind of that selfish person that was always like any film I was doing or any little movie or video I was doing, I was kind of like the center of attention and I was like the comic relief. So um until I really started um working with a team and um and I started doing like uh I, I did these church camps for years. Yeah. I did them for about seven years, and I, I worked with like a staff uh, of pretty much actors, and that's when it really is collaborative, when you write sketches. I don't know, I mean, it's, it's hard to explain uh, what I did with these church camps. I mean, it was basically, I was like a program person, and I was doing Saturday Night Live for high schoolers. And so we would go, you know, they would have retreats on weekends and then for, like, six weeks in the summer. And we would write different sketches for every weekend. And then there were week-long ones in the summertime. And we would do reoccurring characters and do, like, a show every night, sometimes two a day. And it was just, it was straight up Saturday Night Live with a cast of, like, five or six people. And I did that for seven years. And so that, that really kind of – and plus, too, like when you're doing it for something that's a good cause, like, you know, a nonprofit that was like a church camp, it's really not about you. So you really got to focus on really making the kids have a good time. You know what I mean? It wasn't about um, – and I learned a lot of humility doing that, too, because – Every day, you're thinking this isn't for me. It's not about me. It's not like the kids like you know love you and you're on stage and stuff like that. But you always remind yourself like this is for a greater good. This is for a better cause. You know, this is so you know these kids that come to camps have a better life. You know what I mean? This have a good time and maybe learn something. So it really I learned a lot through that
0: process. You you started to reveal a lot of your um, kind of varied uh, performance past. I wanted to talk a little bit about some more of those. Uh, you commu- commuted to Chicago one summer for Second City training. Yeah, uh, what did you what did you learn there that helped you as a comedian and performer? Um,
1: I every time I tell people, I, I felt like I was immediately
0: blown away
1: uh, that it was like that there was people that were talking to you about comedy, and it was like NASA. It was like like when 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 someone's telling you that. You know I took this like movement class, and it was b- mind boggling like uh, where like they talk about like how you you know point your chin creates a character, or like how you use your eyes or the you know really expressing yourself physically and like different ways to move your body and like learning different like uh, ways to move where you wouldn 't normally move, you know what i mean and like and it brings out a whole nother level of funny or a level of character in you and that was like mind blowing to me. Like I was always, I felt like I was always set in this certain type of character that was like the big dude, the superior character, the dad, you know, uh, the villain, or you know, the loud hero. I was always that superior character and I learned a lot about being background and being the inferior character and being the straight man and that that was like, it really like, it broke me down and kind of used my weaknesses to teach me how, like the, their strengths. You know
0: what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Uh, do, do you feel like that your background in stand up so um, or not background in stand-up, but that being a stand up performer helps make you a better improviser as well?
1: Um Yeah, I I mean, of course with like of course with with improv, you never want to intentionally try to go for the joke, you know, in scenes and, but I felt like it was, it seemed a little bit easier to find like, uh, like the game of a scene and also like know when to like cater to the audience, you know, and things like that. And I mean, sure it like, um, I can, I can be a selfish improviser, you know, uh, because of that. So, um,
0: so yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely that kind of just understanding of uh, comic timing and mm-hmm. like what's funny yeah, that, about a situation. Mean, I timing, ti- yeah, timing for sure. Um, so as so, still even stand up and improv is scratching the surface. Um, as Pittsburgh Magazine put it, you cast a wide net. Uh, so you're a stand-up comedian, improviser, actor... I'm a ...writer, <laughs> producer, uh, father, uh, to top it all off. That goes
1: with producer.
0: See how I find the joke? Uh, Stupid. I'm an idiot. Uh, so in all of those lives of yours, um, where do you feel the most comfortable? Um, or do you just like um, playing that field? Do
1: you, well, I mean, I have to say father. You threw that in there.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe that was uh, just to... Tell the people at home what all you do, but yeah, more uh, of all the performance stuff you do. Um,
1: I you know, I do think that um, the most like like kind of the art form that I mess with, I actually feel more. I feel most comfortable doing improv hmm. uh, because most of the times that I've done improv, I've done it with people, which I mean. Obviously, is the way it's supposed to be done. Is like with people that you know, that you work with, and that you, you know each other's strengths and weaknesses. And so, I'm very comfortable doing improv with you know some of my friends that you know that that have founded Arcade that I go way back with, and there's performers that I go way back with. That like you know, for me to get on a stage with you know you know Abby Feudor or John Feitner, that's as comfortable as it gets. Like I'm like, oh okay, like I know what's gonna happen. I know. You know, um, we don't know what's going to happen, but <laughs> fourth wall. You're revealing um, our secrets. No, I, but, you, you know, and, and plus with, with improv, especially when you know your team, you have a team. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's super comfortable. And I've always said to people like, oh, I don't know how you do stand-up. And I was, you know, or people say, Oh, well, I don't know how you do improv. And, and I say, I'd much rather... I'm much more comfortable doing improv not knowing what I'm going to say than stand-up. Because with improv, you have a team. Uh, You know, people can, you know, your team will back you up when you're not, you know, feeling, you know, great or you're not feeling a scene. You know, you always have a team there for you. With stand-up, not only are you by yourself, you're putting out personal scenes, quote. You know what I mean? Like, you're you're putting out more personal material you know if i'm like gary who runs the steel mill in a scene that's the, who cares who i am who cares what i'm giving but when i'm sitting here telling a joke about like my wife and kids you know that's that's not as comfortable you know and i don't and i don't think i'm like i could never i don't i don't know when i'd be at a point where i'm saying i'm i'm being i'm comfortable on stage doing stand up cuz i you know i'm i'm barely you know into stand up you know and so I'm constantly learning, and it's, I feel like every time I go on stage, I'm, like, pulling a roulette lever. Like, I'm like, well, <laughs> let's see if it lands on sevens. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, you just kind of roll it and just see what happens. Like, hopefully yeah. I get a snake eyes. I don't, you know. Because um, you, ne- you really, ne- stand-up is so unpredictable that it's very uncomfortable. It's like, I, I have anxiety from it because you don't, you have no idea. You could see a crowd walk into a room and you're like, oh, look, this is all, you know, I've seen myself like, oh, this is all baby boomers. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm going to do all, all marriage and kids materials, crush. (laughs) And then I'm up there like really working for it. I'm like, damn, like this is
0: not, it's never what you expect. Yeah. Well, so that's, that's all really interesting to me. And, and someone who's, so I've Done improv a long time, but um, I've seen stand up. I don't know that much about it, and I'm really fascinated by it uh, to the point that I'm taking your stand up class. We just yeah, kind of started, uh, and I have congratulations. <laughs> nice, uh, and uh, so I want to talk to you a little bit more about your uh, stand up and kind of how it works. Um, so on stage, most people who see you remember a combination of your energy and likability. Uh, Dom Shuck, who's the tech at the Pittsburgh Improv, yeah. described you as a high energy, like rock and roll with a little attitude, like old school hip hop. Uh I ran out of breath, but I think that's- uh, I love that. Wonderfully love that. That's accurate it. That's crazy, that's exactly who I am and what uh, I listen to. <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh Magazine once called you one of the most likable acts on the scene. Uh, I just put three of these quotes in here: a longtime friend and fellow improviser who you mentioned, Abby Fudor, says, "You angrily resent the audience for being so great, uh, which I also <laughs> think uh, is a good <laughs> summary of of your stage persona. Um, so I'm wondering like how, I, I think that's also pretty close to how you are in real life, but, but definitely a very kind of cultivated representation of your your personality. so uh, how, how did you how did you? come up with or, or, I don't know, evolve that stage persona for your stand-up? Um, well, at, f- at first, uh, when I first
1: started stand-up, I kind of didn't know what I was doing. Um, I've only watched stand-up, and I never, you know, a year before I even thought of stand-up, like, I would have never... I remember thinking like, you know, 8 9 years ago like I would never I could never do like it was never even a question in my mind that I could do stand up hmm. ever. You know, like I was I did acting and I did improv and sketch and that was just so foreign and probably it probably really scary. You know, it's it's really scary to do. And um I I I had a friend, this is this is in your question. I'm not just like, you know. <laughs> That's fine. We'll take I, um, a walk. I, I had a friend who was like a headline comic who saw me, I was doing like a bunch of improv shows on the Gateway Clipper on the riverboat. I was doing like Who's Line and like a Tony and Tina's thing called uh, Dinner with the Godfather. And like, and so my, this, this friend, he came and saw me do like a Who's Line show. And he was like, you should do stand-up And I'm like, oh, that's funny because I've written some jokes. Like I've been writing some jokes just for fun. You know, just writing some jokes. And he's like, well, um... You know, uh, in like two weeks, uh, I'm home for a couple weeks because he visits Pittsburgh over the holidays. He's like, yeah, um, I'm headlining, and you should come do a guest set. I don't even know what a guest set is. I'm like, what do you <laughs> mean? Like, you interview me? Like I he's like, yeah, just come do five minutes. I'm like, five minutes of what? Like, jokes? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, dude, um, I am, I've never done stand-up. And he's like, dude. He goes, you're an improviser. He's like, I've seen you. If you've written anything, just
0: come do it. And I was like, Okay. So I went and did five minutes. The funniest part about that to me is that that seems like such the opposite opinion that I normally get from stand-ups. Like, you're an improviser. You don't know what it's like to do stand-up, which I think is accurate. Um, But that's cool. Yeah. That he Uh, he was so, like, kind of welcoming. Yeah, I mean... He thought you were funny.
1: Sure. But when I did it, I, I remember thinking that um man, that does not feel very comfortable. My first five minutes set, <laughs> I was like, Who am I? You know? Yeah. And I was like almost doing an impression of a casino comedian <laughs> or a cruise ship comedian. You know, like like um like one of m- the first joke I ever wrote was about uh if Jesus was fat, how the Bible would be different. Nice. Yeah,
0: classic. In fact, like there's a lot of possibility there.
1: Yeah. Okay. It's, it wasn't too bad. I, I, I got some laughs for a good year and a half with that. Uh, but, but like, and I was like, you know, wouldn't it be crazy if Jesus was fat in the Bible? Like it was really like, and I was like, all right, guys, after you play some slots, I'll be here again at 11 for the dirty show. Like I really felt like that. Like I, was, I remember thinking like, I'm, 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 I feel like I'm reading my jokes as a game show host. It was really weird. But the dude that was running the place, it was Corner Cafe, uh, and they were, like, running a real comedy room then. It was almost like a, like a B room. It was, I mean, they had decent headliners there, and the guy was Frank Nicotero. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever, he, you know, he hosted, like, Street Smarts and a bunch of TV shows and stuff like that.
0: He's played here, right? Yeah, he's yeah.
1: headlined at Arcade, yeah. And, um, and the dude that was running the place, he was like, hey, why don't you come back next week and work on some stuff again? And I was like, No. <laughs> I told him, no, I was like, no, I just, no, I didn't. I didn't go. I was just like, nope, not gonna do it. But then I was thinking, I go, you know, I wanna figure this out. I wanna figure this out. And then it was like during during like um, the spring of like, cause I did that December 29th, 2008. That was my first set I ever did. And during the spring of like 2009, I like played around and I went to open mic maybe I think four or five times to try some stuff out. And then um, I got two like first two like decent movie roles right in like the spring summer of 2009, so I really wasn't thinking about stand up at all and um, and I I worked on a movie with Brian Callen you know, from Mad TV. And we we we're, were you know, goofy dudes, funny guys and um, we talked about uh, stand up. And I was like, Yeah, I'm messing with stand up. And his whole background is in improv and like acting. And he was like, You need to improv on stage. You need to write on stage. You need to use your strength as improv to do stand up. And I'm like, What does that mean? He was like, All right, give me one of your premises, which I was like, What the hell is that? Like, <laughs> like I only hear like, people with shotguns say, Get off the premises. I don't know what that <laughs> means. But like, <laughs> and, and he was like, Okay, so what are you, one of your ideas for your jokes? He's like, Take that idea. And just go on stage and say as much as you possibly can on that idea. You write it on stage. And then see what you got and see what sticks and remember and record it and do it again. And I was like, okay, cool. And uh, one of the first, first shows I did, I ended up meeting another comic who was putting a show together. Um, he was an extra on the, on the film. And he was like, oh, you want to do stand-up? Come do my show. And I was like, okay, and that's uh, the first time I, I'm, uh, my friend, who's actually in the audience, Matt Light, I think was the host, right? Yeah. Matt Light was the host, and now we're, we're like best buds, and we like frolic together now. Nice. And, um, and, uh, and it was like this show with like eight comics, and, you know, I, I don't remember, I don't know if Matt remembers, like they were like, just do whatever, like do 10, 15 minutes. And I was like, what? Like I've done open mic five times. <laughs> and I think I did like 17 or 18 minutes and just improv on all this stupid stuff like why I'm afraid of spiders and I just talked about why, do you remember that, Matt? Like why I'm afraid of spiders for three minutes and that was my suggestion from the audience almost. You know, and I just, I had a couple things written and I did those and made up more stuff and more stuff and I ended up doing like 18 minutes and I remember like comics being like, oh, this guy's all right. And I'm like, well, I don't even know what I did. But I remember, I remember thinking, like, this was the shit. I was like, there were people laughing, and I was kind of doing stand-up, but kind of doing improv. So that was that evolution where I kind of, like, started writing on stage a lot and figuring that using my strength in improv and just kind of, you know, improvising on stage with some stand-up ideas, that ended up starting to work for me.
0: Yeah, so if uh, if you're doing more writing on stage and improvising this the – kind of premises as you go, uh, is it fair to say that, that that persona just sort of developed? Like, is just close to your personality?
1: Um, no, at first, I honestly, I honestly, when I first started, I, I reverted almost back to what I did in middle school to make friends in my urban high school, was to act black. <laughs> and when I first started stand-up, I had... I had a, you know, and this was kind, it is kind of me too. It is, I, you know, I got some swag in me, guys, okay? Uh, <laughs> like, you know, I still have a bunch of pairs of Jordans, and I'm 32 years old, I'm just saying. Uh, but when I started, like, I was wearing, you know, Jordans and a backwards Kangol hat, and, and I was, yeah, and I was much, I was a little more urban, and I think when I first started, uh, it was comfortable for me because I was almost being a version of myself. Yeah. Like there was that part in me that was kind of like ghetto and I was bringing it out and it felt comfortable because I was being a character and you know, I was doing stand-up maybe seven or eight months and I got work at the improv or, or no, I started, I started getting guest sets and I was doing guest sets for like urban comics, black comics. And I was like, well, uh, I'm just going to do like, I'm just going to be as ghetto as possible, which you know, and I, and th- I reached a point where I was like, I don't want to do that because number one, I think it's kind of like messed up and racist <laughs> that I'm like being a character. Do you know, I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like I just felt like it was being dishonest. Like this is not hundred percent who I am. It's a percentage of me. And it started to evolve in a way where I was like, I want to be the right levels of who I am and then just turn those up a little bit. Does that
0: make sense? It does. Um. Uh. I, so we're running out of time. I know. And you that. have nine cards left. Uh. Oh. I have a lot more than nine cards left. Um. But I want to power. Get, Let's power. I want to get a couple things. I'm in deep, and then dude. We'll do it I'm a deep. <laughs> You're fine. Right? We're fine. Did you hear that? Oh well. Thank you. Uh. I. I do want to get a couple more things in. So. Um, Let's power through. I want to hear everything you. You have. One thing you won't do that. Um, I want to. I want to. I, I over prepare. Uh. One care. thing that you brought up uh, was recording your shows because you're writing on the stage. Um, mm-hmm. do, you, do you record all your shows? Um, I record
1: my shows when I want to, when I, I, di- I did, well, okay, when I first started, I mean, you didn't have iPhones where you could just take your iPhone and put it on stage, right. so I always had a notebook and like my, my really good friend that I came up with, like literally the same like, time I started stand-up, my buddy Danny Palumbo, Started too. So we were at every single mic together and we kind of like uh, conversed with each other after every set, like, oh, you said this thing, make sure you remember that. And I just kind of kept a small notebook and just wrote down little tags that I wrote at that time um, and just try to like little remember keywords, like, oh, remember you said that thing about unicorns, keep doing that. Um, I never said unicorn in any stand up joke ever, but, you know, but I'm a good improviser like too, a guys, challenge. boom. Um, <laughs> But so I started in that, and then once I was able to start recording sets, I I will I still will record sets where I'm doing new material. Like if I'm still if I'm still writing on stage, if I'm still trying to exhaust a joke yeah. and add more to a joke, I'll record it um, so that I can listen back um, and kind of
0: you know just remember honestly remember what I said. Um, I'm also really interested to try to. Get a little bit deeper into the, the writing process, so, so I, I get uh, that no, 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 not deeper. I, well, I get that you improvise on stage, um, but I want to see like kind of how a joke evolves. So I thought maybe we could try to pick one of your jokes or stories, or possibly come up with a new one if this is hard to do. But like, yeah. so say take something that's in your act now or something you do, and maybe you could say like, here's where it ended up and here's where it started from, and maybe we could talk like okay. how um, it evolved to there.
1: Okay, so um, I used to I used to do a joke uh, that that people re- actually people ask for sometimes at the Pittsburgh Improv. They're like, "Why didn't you do the Brett joke?" Uh, and I started talking about um, Matt's laughing. He's like, "Oh, that's stupid a joke." Um, I started talking about how. Um, how my my grandmother once said that the name Aaron is weak. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I, I was like, oh, and I kinda like like joked with my grandma, like, I need a tougher name. And so I remember making a joke one time to like friends uh, about like how some people have names that sound like swear words, you know? Right. And so I kind of took that on stage saying like, I need a name that sounds like a swear word. So it was like Brett or Clint or Kurt. So I say like, I'm gonna Brett on your Clint, you Kurt. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, what'd you say to me? So dumb. Um, (laughs) And when you tell your jokes in this context, it's so stupid. It's like, I hate it. I hate it. But then like, as I go on stage, like that was the premise I had. Right. But then I go on stage, I was probably at like the moose or something. And I started thinking like, well, you know, I picked the name Brett as like a badass name, like maybe I should be named Brett, and then when I'm on stage, I just started naming badass Bretts you know what <laughs> I mean so I'm like how about like you know Brett Keys on his beard like you know because I'm you know I'm in a Pittsburgh Opa Mike you know I'm like oh, or like um, Brett Michaels you know and yeah. then and you know so I started adding people and then I just started talking about what makes them badass, so it's like every time I did that joke, I would add stuff that makes them badass to match their name Brett you mm-hmm. know and and then I came up with Brett Favre, and so that you, and so when I when I do that, you know, you know maybe one time I said Brett Favre, and then I added Brett Michaels, you know, and then I added you know uh, you know usually I, I mean I ended up doing Brett Favre and Brett Michaels, obviously because Brett Keisel's a local mm. football player, so like eventually once I do it over and over again, I know that Brett Michaels isn't as funny as Brett Favre, uh. so I would do Brett Michaels first, and that's the kind of stuff you listen to over and over when you practice it. You kind of reorder your joke and find the punchlines, and then when you name the couple things that what makes Brett Michaels badass, you kind—I kind of reorder those, you know, to where it's like it's an escalating laugh. Like these are the three things that make Brett Michaels badass, and the third one is the funniest out of the three. It's so formulaic, and you don't realize <laughs> that, but it's just kind of, you know, how, how I how I did it. And then like you know, Brett Favre ended up being crazier. And then there's like an end of the joke. There's an end of the joke that it, that's improvised when, like, when you're on stage and you're just kind of letting loose, you just kind of, you know, like an improv, you just let go and let it, you know, just let it happen. Just let go and let God, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> but, like, I remember at the end of the joke, at the end of the joke, I improv this line and I did it for, like, a year where I was like, I don't know, guys, I'm not Nostradamus, but at the end of time, all that's going to be left is Brett and Brett and they're going to be on a mountain arguing over who's going to have sex with the last volcano. <laughs> That's the end of that joke, and then at one point I said a bunch of times where they're like, and then as they're in a no, they're in a rowboat in a <laughs> lava. I see, so I start adding things like they're in a rowboat, and then you know they're arguing over who's gonna impregnate the last volcano on Earth, and then Jesus rides down on a horse, and they all triple team that volcano. I don't know, but like it got like crazy, like I don't know. Um, so that's kind of like that evolution where it's like it came from that one piece, and I kept doing adding on to it, like adding to Brett, adding to, like, you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love it. <laughs> uh, I would be...
1: <laughs> and so does America.
0: This is, uh, this is not my best segue, i going to make sure we get this in here. So, uh, you've been acting since a very early age. It's probably your uh, first kind of uh, foray into performance outside of uh, winning class clown. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I actually wanted to play a clip, uh, one of yours, uh, because this is the closest I'll ever be okay. to hosting an actual talk show, um, and talk a little bit about your acting. Um, and oh. because I missed, please do play, play, play Captain Blasto. Please don't play Captain Blasto. I wanted to play Captain Blasto. No, uh, let's just play both of these, uh, Zach. Okay. Show some people some Clyber acting.
1: <laughs> what is? That?
0: Oh, yeah, you might need to drop the screen. Sorry. Oh, this is
1: St. Quentin's? Oh, this is like when I kind of knew what I was doing, so I'm okay with this. Yeah! He
0: told her yeah. all his heart and said to her, a razor has never come upon my head. For I have Where'd he go? Fine, oh damn. So, so fat. My strength will leave me... <laughs>
1: Playing around. Open up. I'm gonna count to three. Okay? One. Two. Okay, three. Come on, Danny. Just let me out of here. I was a college wrestler. I will break this tiny door down if I have to. You don't you don't know what you're dealing with, mister! Are you serious? Oh, that's it. If I can climb over here, you're lucky these are higher than how high I
0: am. <laughs> that's good. That's all, the, that's all the climber. Let's hit the next one. Is that screwdriver? Screwdriver.
1: Yeah. He's escaping church. Escape from St. Quentin's. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have not seen this in a long time. When did I learn? This is me as the Yinzer. Good. What's, like, what's my like what was my name? Like am Gary? The <laughs> there she goes again, drifting off any the ionosphere. Oh. Earth, the Bitsy. Come in, Bitsy Bitsy, over. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Where's your underwear, Marlon?
1: Oh, that was nice. That was deep. Um That was a good uh, breath of my acting. That was. uh, (laughs) It was. uh,
0: Hmm. So, uh, have you had any acting training? Is it just from growing up and doing that stuff and performance and so forth, or you know, like how do you? Nope. uh, uh,
1: uh, Nope. I've never (laughs) trained to be an actor. Uh, No. I. I, uh,
0: Nope. uh, That's not a. Judging by those clips, (laughs) what do you guys think? Um, it wasn't a, it wasn't no, I, a joke, I, I, but... Yeah, so, like, uh, no, so, just, you know, what do you... Uh, you um, know, when you come on to set and they give you some stuff, like, what do you... Uh, um, do you Honestly, do? like,
1: uh, I mean, I've done so much uh, with... I mean, I some a lot of that credit will honestly have to go to, like, Chris Prexta, mm. who, I, I mean, if you guys know, he shoots and edits Pittsburgh Dad, and we go way back. I mean, we met in geometry class when we were, like, 13. So, and we did videos together for and feature-length films for 10 years. And uh, so he was kind of always uh, the director, you know? And, and I would say he, out of anybody on this earth, knows me so well in my humor and what I can do in comedy and acting. And so, you know, he always, like, led me the right way. You know, like, oh, dude, you can do this. And I'm like, yes, you're right, I can. You know, like, so uh, that helped kind of, like, uh, know you know, myself on camera a lot. And, and, you know, when you do so many different like, uh, you know, it's just repetition, really. It's just like tons and tons of, you know, characters and sketches on stage. And, you know, I've probably done like 150 like, sketch videos for like the various stuff I did in high school and college and, you know, um, so it's just it, it really, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to. I really don't want to say anything like I know about acting, (laughs) but I just I feel like that through so much that I've done, like on stage, I feel like you just get to know yourself well enough, where you know how to just you know, um, the best way I've ever heard acting explained that I that I really kind of uh, um, uh, you know grab on is that like acting is kind of like an eq like on a stereo like i've heard that before like it's the same sound but like you can those different levels are those different parts of you like different emotions or i don't remember where i read it and it made a lot of sense to me because i like dj'd for a while (laughs) so i was like oh that is kind of interesting because it's like if you need a little more treble you just turn it up a little bit it's still your treble it's still your sound but it's you know it um it's not method acting, right. you know, but maybe method acting is all the EQ all the way up. I don't know. Um, Turn up the yins are here. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's just like, yeah, just kind of being yourself, but being, you know, uh, turning up different parts of your own strengths, you know, and, and or weaknesses.
0: Great. Well, let's do some improv. <laughs>
1: each other.
0: Pro wrestlers. Pro wrestlers. Okay.
1: Done. And uh, (laughs) where are we at somewhere that would fit on the stage?
0: Giant Eagle. In case we need them I'm going to grab these so we don't have to use those giant chairs. Okay. (laughs) We are pro wrestlers at Giant Eagle.
1: (laughs) Mondo. Is that you Mondo? Oh. (laughs) Bulk-tastic. Yeah. <laughs> good to see you. I haven't seen you since the championship in uh, Daytona. Yeah, yeah, well. Uh, uh, it was a good one. It was a good one for sure. You look uh, fat. fat. No, well, it's melon season. Hello. <laughs> a lot of natural sugars in these. I don't know if you know that. Mmm. Oh, you really let yourself go. Well, it's the off season. Ever since Daytona and the injury. What do you want me to do? Huh? Can't do anything. I just order pizza, have a good time. Come on, fantastic You, you tri- know what the life is like. Troubles at home or well. After Daytona. Oh, that was a hard loss. Oh. <laughs> Daytona. Johnny the woo just sat on your face <laughs> for like ten minutes. Yeah, well, I've I've never had a Huge Mongolian sit on my face that long. <laughs> you've, you've had to sit on your face before, just less, just less time. <laughs> not as long as Johnny Wu has. That was a long
0: time. Oh, at least oof. It was eons. Hey, if you uh, if you need a friend, I could come over, or watch some some uh, di- totally different sport, unrelated sport, <laughs> football. Yeah, I mean, uh, hockey. I got old skiing tapes. Yeah?
1: <laughs> yeah! You never record skiing and then watch it back and you're like, I can't believe he was a good skier back in the Yeah, 40s. I love to do
0: that because I know exactly what happens. Yeah,
1: that's good. <laughs> well, we can do that. We can do that. But I need a friend. I, uh, you know, ever since Joni Wu sat on me in Daytona, oh, Daytona. Well, what? it's, you know, Claire, she just. No. Well, left? She left? Well. She moved over to Fort Myers. Straight from Daytona. She just didn't even come home with me. Went straight to Fort Myers and now she's. Fort Myers, that's. that's where Johnny Woo lives. You is that right? You didn't know. Straight out of
0: straight out of Fort Myers.
1: Wait, Johnny, Johnny Woo yeah. lives in Fort Myers. That's probably
0: a coincidence. Yeah, no, it's what? Just a coincidence. Come on! Oh No, no, You was getting upset about it. I don't know why you even brought it up. No, <laughs> oh, nobody's getting upset. No, you just smashed a melon in half. Your hand. <laughs> I mean, you know... Probably a coincidence again. <laughs> I mean,
1: I mean, why would Johnny Woo come into my house? No. Johnny Woo coming into my house! <laughs> Wait! Johnny Woo coming into my house! And do what he wants with my lady! I don't think so. Look me in the eyes. Sorry, ma'am. Look me in the he eyes. A lot of pressure. Uh-uh. If Johnny Wu comes in my house Shh. and Bulk Tastic is with me, so let me tell you something. You know what's going to happen. You know I'm gonna I'm going to take Johnny Wu's head like a milk. Right. And I'm telling you what. This Sunday, I swear <laughs> to God that I'm going to take Johnny Wu's head just like a melon. And I'm gonna SMASH that out of the juices from his brain! Uh, I'm gonna come, so
0: help me! Excuse me, sir. Johnny! Sir, you're gonna have to pay for those melons. Oh, yeah, okay, that's... that's, (laughs) uh, Cool, yeah, that was quick. Let's do that. Are we doing another scene? Let's do another scene. All right. (laughs) get whatever you want. Uh, let's get another... uh, You know, a suggestion. Let's get a um... Matt. Like Matt's a wrestling fan. He'd like that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. He's uh, gonna be sex. Exactly. He's changing my name is his phone to Bald yeah. <laughs> What was my name? Mondo. 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 Oh. I don't know wrestling at all. Um, so that's Mondo
1: was like a retarded kid wrestler in a movie. Wasn't yes. that? uh... No, that's Mongo. Bar. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Johnny Boo yeah. is just an offensive. Johnny Boo is perfect. For, uh,
0: <laughs> fat Mongolian. Johnny Boo <laughs> not even from Johnny uh, <laughs> Let's let's get a uh, let's get an attitude. That's something to get. The Fonz. The uh, a <laughs> suggestion. Okay. The Fonz. It's another thing I don't know. Mr Mr. Fonz. Yeah. I
1: uh
0: <laughs> I need a bank loan.
1: <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. You come in the right place!
0: You know what, I would reprimand you, but you've had startlingly good numbers. I have been the highest of any teller at this entire
1: branch office. Come here. A uh, guy walks in, yeah. I look him in the eyes, mm-hmm. and then I see him walk away, and I know
0: he's good for it. See, Judy, Judy's over here, she, she always requires a down payment and collateral, and she's just been losing, bleeding this bank money. I'm gonna have to fire her. Judy! <laughs> somehow you look a man in the eyes, give him a loan on a piece of paper, yeah. and he's probably gonna pay it for the next 30 years. He will, he will. It's un- untraditional but I'm gonna let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> and you should, because if you look me in the eyes,
1: and you watch me walk away, you know. <laughs> well, I'm good for
0: it. <laughs>
1: See that? Yeah. Work on it.
0: I have to call my wife. Hey, I'm gonna
1: go <laughs> to lunch. <laughs> okay. It's 9 a.m., but whatever. <laughs> 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 All right. yeah. oh, so how is that for you? Is that fun? Yeah, it's fun. I, it's fun. It's always fun being different people. It's a blast.
0: I do like that as well. It's yeah, fun. I enjoyed it.
1: And it's 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 like it's the truest like form of like uh creating as an actor. It really is.
0: Yeah, I've never I don't know that I've ever played with you. We may be at the jam.
1: Yeah, pr- yeah, 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 we have. Yeah, the pickups. Oh, we were yeah, on the we pick-ups, pickups together one time, yeah. That's crazy. That's what um, it's called the
0: pickups. Yeah, it's super fun. Do you I guys get... know
1: each other? Whatever, you're both good. Let's do this.
0: Yeah, I feel like uh I feel like again it's like your your energy is just very infectious, like if like, like that second scene really I had no idea what was happening the whole time, but it didn't really matter because it was it was still just fun. Well, um, see, and you know what's funny? you say that like and I, f- I sometimes that makes me feel bad,
1: like that makes me feel like I did it wrong, but yeah. I also felt like you know I'm the guest of the show, and you were giving me carte blanche like, yeah. to lead the scene, and I kind of understood that so uh, but yeah, I mean, I will, I will like go balls out on a character if someone is like opening that door. Yeah. Because it's fun. It's fun to create a like an alive, fun character. You know what I Definitely. mean?
0: Definitely. No, I loved it. Uh, I don't yeah. always have
1: to do loud, but shit, we got wrestling. So, Yeah. you know, I didn't want to be Paul
0: Bearer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was great too. Um, Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cool. Uh, so let's get some questions from you guys. Now go ahead. So uh, Aaron, yeah, you've been doing comedy for a long time in Pittsburgh. You have a couple open mics that you do uh, Wednesday at Beer Hive, Monday at Pleasure Bar that I go to. Um, you know? How do you Please feel? feel a plug. Yeah, totally plug. <laughs> go ahead. How do you feel about being a comedy mentor within Pittsburgh <laughs> community comedy scene?
1: Um, <laughs> I don't really. I. I I don't really, like, feel like that. I, I just, I don't, man, I don't know. That's a very, like, <laughs> um, I, dude, I look, I, I just look at it as, you know, um, in everything I've done, I've always had people that have done it before me that have, uh, and, that, and that's how I am naturally, is that if I want to do something, I will find people and, uh, that are willing to show me what they did um and i always ask questions of people that have done something that i want to do and i just feel like that that is kind of the um you know the circle of kind of learning is when you want to do something is like you know um you know i show you you show me now you show somebody else you know what i mean um it's just kind of that kind of thing and i just i just kind of who i am i don't know i i just uh can I? You know,
0: because people have done that for me. So you just kind of do it. I'll tack on a question. You mentioned in class that there's a sort of uh, taboo around teaching stand up. Uh, and I'm very happy that you're teaching it. But where, where does that come from? Or like, do you know why that? I don't know. It's thing? just kind
1: of like this thing around the stratosphere of, of stand up that, uh, that no one should be teaching stand up. And I think that the people that have taught stand-up to, like, a national level where people know they were teaching stand-up get lots of shit from other Mm. comedians. And it's, like... And I think for the most part, and I've said this, you know, and there's, like, students in the class that are here, like, I've said that, like, I think that it's because that they want to teach how they do stand-up or they teach, you know, one way or another to do stand-up and that's why I think it kind of is taboo because I think that plus stand-up comedians are miserable bastards. Right. So it's like, oh, you're gonna tell me, tell us how to do this? We'll kiss my ass. You know, like. Uh, but I don't. You know. Uh, I think that's why. Sure. Uh, thank you.
0: Hi. So you've mentioned your friendship with Chris Prexta and some of the work you've done with him over the years. Mm-hmm. I've been here to Arcade for a number of shows, including some of the live reads that cool. Chris has directed, and yeah. they're Balls. I yeah, just said Amaze Balls, and I'm not. They're 20. fun balls. Yeah. Yeah, they're fun balls. Amaze balls, all kind of balls. And yeah. um, boom. I guess I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on other kind of formats. You know, we've talked a lot about stand up, a lot about improv, but. You know what? Here at Arcade or other venues in Pittsburgh are doing uh, about comedy. I, th- I feel like it's uh, kind of a nice moment in Pittsburgh, and I just am curious about your thoughts on that.
1: I I absolutely 100% agree with you, and I and I'm a huge, you know, uh, proponent. Is that a yeah? Is yeah. that I'm a huge proponent of the community of comedy, you know, uh, growing in Pittsburgh, and I. And I try to um, contribute to that as much as possible, which is one of the reasons why I'm teaching stand-up at Arcade. Number one is because I feel like if if I can do anything, uh, you know, to do anything to you know, you know, get people out, on, you know, on a microphone and do comedy and make people laugh, but also just, uh, um, you know, contributing here at Arcade. You know, um, and I and I tell people all the time, I tell stand-ups. Pittsburgh right now is, is, it's very exciting to be doing comedy in Pittsburgh right now. And a lot of comics don't know, a lot of people in Pittsburgh don't know how our scene right now compares to a lot of other cities. And this is the first time I ever said it was when we were in class a couple weeks ago, was that I kind of started thinking about how it fits in kind of like tiers of comedy. And that, uh, you know, there's obviously like a tier one city is like New York, Chicago, and L.A. Those are tier one comedy cities. And you know, and I, I, I would say that Austin is kind of poking its head into a tier one comedy city right now. Uh, because, I mean, sh- they have Comedy Central showcases once a month in Austin. I mean, it's getting ridiculous down there. Um, and that's what I mentioned before, my buddy Danny Palumbo, he's now like one of the top comics in Austin now down there. Uh, so I hear a lot about that scene. And, uh, but there are other cities that I think we're really playing around with being in the league with like d c and Atlanta and Minneapolis and Cincinnati, um, those are really and it, it it does kind of seem like they're kind of like blue collarish towns, kind of uh Atlanta's a little bit different. Um, my Miami is 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 big, but it's so different. it's so different than every other city just because of like Latinos and you know black comedy is like it's so different down there uh, than a lot of the other cities I mentioned. Um, But like Pittsburgh is really, I feel like moving into that tier where, uh, see when I mentioned those cities, those are the cities in tier two that are now getting national names like on television and they're doing Conan and they're doing Fallon. And I think that in Pittsburgh, I think we're starting to see those couple people, especially big headliners like Billy Gardell and you know um, Steve Byrne who are claiming Pittsburgh, and then you you know when you know guys like you know Bill Crawford who has who's done a lot of national things, and you know Tim Diamond in New York, and you know and I'm doing a couple things, and you know I'm traveling around and doing did some TV, and so like I think that's the beginning of seeing the fruits of what's been going on here for the last five years. I think since like comedy has really taken off. And uh, so we're, you know, you want to see fruit, and we're seeing fruit of that, you know.
0: And two-thirds huh? of the cities you mentioned that I think of have really decent or growing com- uh, improv scenes as well. Yeah, oh, absolutely. At I mean, least, like, comedy sports, Yeah. for sure. Yeah, probably in all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, any other questions for Aaron before we wrap up? Yeah. <laughs> Do you see uh, Pittsburgh having, uh, you mentioned that blue collar towns and stuff like that. Does Pittsburgh have a certain niche into their comedy in the standup world?
1: Um, actually, uh, Pittsburgh is actually a really hard town to play. Um, I think it's because we are, we actually are more diverse than people think. Um, I think we have so many different cultures here. Now people are like, what are you talking about? We have no Asians. Like, well, we do. Um, like, I honestly, the only thing not represented well in Pittsburgh is that, and, and I, I'm only saying this just because I've been in front of lots of audiences here, is that we don't have a big Latino population, um, which a lot of other cities do. But what a lot of other cities I realize don't have is they don't have a lot of, like, Um, they don't have a lot of different people that are deep into their roots, like Hungarians and Polish people and uh, Jewish people. And, you know, we have, like, Russians, like Ukrainians. Like, we really have those people that are like, oh, no, 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 we're still from that country. We're not all just, like, a melting pot. Like, people still kind of cling to their heritages here, uh, which is very interesting. Because, you know, you'll do some Midwest cities, and Midwest cities is just like, oh, okay these are just all white people, and there's the five black people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, really? Yeah. Um, um, but there are cities that are, are definitely getting more diverse, you know. But Pittsburgh is, uh, is hard because I think everybody has a lot of different tastes, and there's a lot of different uh, exposure to different cultures. Um, and, you know, like my buddy Danny Palumbo in Austin, he was like, at first he was like, you know what, I can't wait to go to Austin, a real comedy town and do comedy, and then he'll be the first to say, he's like, wow, like, Pittsburgh really got me good. Like, it really, you know, and and it's so funny to hear headliners that I work with, they come into town, and they're like, dude, Pittsburgh's tough. And I just someone just recently told me, they're like, dude, coming up in Pittsburgh is really, like, great for you, because this is a tough town, and I never really saw it that way until I heard outsiders' opinions how diverse the audiences are so it makes it a tougher room, because it's like, you know, you can't do... It's almost like, you know, some towns, you could do one joke and 99.9% of the room will fall over. You know what I mean? But yeah. that's not the case
0: here, you know? Uh, well, that, that's a really great place to wrap up. Um, do you, before we go, we already had a couple. Do you have other stuff you want to plug um, to my tens of listeners?
1: I, I, um, I mean, I have all kinds of stuff that's, that's going on. It's go on my calendar, it. on my Good website. Point. At least tell um,
0: people where to find your website and so It's forth. just
1: in my name, AaronKleiber.com. I have a How calendar. How do you spell that, Kleiber? A-A-R-O-N-K-L-E-I-B-E-R, mm-hmm. AaronKleiber.com. Um,
0: and PittsburghComedy.com?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, everything's uh, Pits, Pittsburgh Comedy, com has everything listed for everything going on, uh, shows and stuff like that. and um, You know,
0: yeah. Right? Uh, I'll quickly use this time uh, to remind people too about the upcoming Pittsburgh Comedy Festival Uh, we should have some uh, exciting things to announce this month so stay tuned if you don't know about it already check out Um, pittsburghcomedyfestival.org and if you loved this episode come back next month when we will have the exciting guest TBD Uh, our podcast
1: I love him
0: right Um, dude TBD. Matt, it's uh, uh, he's a beast. <laughs> <laughs> I lost steam on that joke. Uh, our podcast was recorded in front of a live audience at the Arcade Comedy Theater. Prove it here in Pittsburgh, <laughs> Pennsylvania. Uh, special thanks to Zach Simons for tech and production support.
1: The guy right there. The man. Hey, in you the know, booth. can I say, you know, Zach also produces a podcast that I do. Zach is a very talented guy. I
0: listened to that uh, Writing on the Floor episode to prepare for this podcast and it's very good. Uh, So let's plug Writing on the Floor. Yeah, Zach does Writing on
1: the Floor. Wonderful podcast. And he produces uh, Sean Collier's podcast and I occasionally am on there with Sean and we do movie reviews.
0: Oh my God! Uh, that's right. You can't
1: handle the truth, and, and Zach produces that. I
0: I he produces so many. Podcasts yeah, he's good at that. It's hard to keep track. He's uh, good at making things happen. You can't handle the truth is wonderful as well. Uh, uh, also, thanks to Michelle Horsey for our opening theme, and of course, the wonderful, the indubitable, the always entertaining, who? Aaron Clyburn. Oh. I
1: was like, who's indubitable?
0: <laughs> or this and past episodes, head on over to brianmgray.com slash podcast, and please leave me a review on iTunes. Thank you, guys.
1: Go! Oh, look who has the cards now. Oh, this up. Really, so, Brian... Really them.
0: I just wanted some drink. Brian,
1: you've played to thirty people and two thousand people. What do you do differently for these
0: audiences? It's gonna be a nice long pause while the screen drops. Do 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 do. And you'll slowly—anybody need a beer, you'll guys? Slowly see the details like, reveal. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: this is Dalup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, loading porn in 1999. That's what this screen is like. You end up just jerking off to some chick's forehead.